Hello and welcome to the Tech Authority Podcast. This week, we bring back Amy Schmidhauer, who joined us on episode 17. Today, we are talking about how to get your message out into the world with video. You might notice a slight difference in the audio. I usually record this in Sony Vegas, but this week I decided to use a different platform. You may have heard of Anchor.fm. Now, I talked about this in a previous episode. I think it was episode 20 about the radio app on Google Play and the Apple Store. If you haven't checked it out, they've got this new interview feature that I decided to use for this interview. You're listening to the Tech Authority Podcast. Today, I have Amy Schmidhauer joining me for a second time. Amy is known for her savvy, sexy social YouTube blogs. She's also a speaker and an author. Amy wrote the book, Blog Like a Boss, How to Kill It Online with Video Blogging, which is a number one bestseller. And recently, she recorded the audio book as well. Amy, when does the audio book get released? Oh, great question. Right now, the audiobook is ready to go, and we're just waiting on Audible's approval to get it all synced up in Amazon and all that kind of fun stuff. So, any day now, it should be coming out. I'm so excited. Awesome. So, what was the thing that you got out of doing audio for the first time after writing the book? which has been out for a little while now. Uh, What was it like reading your own book and recording it live for yourself? Well, I think it it was a really interesting process because I had, for a while, I'd considered, before writing the book, I considered um, dictating a book. And so going sort of the opposite direction first in order to get words on paper. And that didn't come to fruition, but... Um, I did end up just writing it. And so um, as I was writing, it it was important for me to sort of like make sure that it felt like my voice. So I did a lot of reading and rereading, but it really was a surreal experience actually trying to just say those words on audio, you know, in the best quality possible and the best, um, you know, conveyance of the, of the uh, material and um, so actually doing the recording part wasn't too crazy because I have a podcast, you know, I'm, I'm used to creating content. Um, but just listening back in the sort of the editing phase was the more kind of bizarre, surreal moment because suddenly this thing that is, you know, usually normal, like a podcast, you just sort of listen to your podcast back and it's like, okay, I published this, but it's, it's content, you know, no big deal. You're listening to yourself back when it's a book and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a book. This is a thing. This is, this is you know, my first real product um, that you can hold in my hand and, and now it's in audio form. It was just kind of a, it was kind of a surreal, bizarre experience. But I'm really happy because I feel very confident with the uh, audio book coming out by way of the audience that has been really soaking up the book and giving me the feedback that they heard my voice while reading the book. And that was something that was really um, important to me. I wanted to make sure that that happened. And um, I think that can be tough because when you're not a a regular writer, 
you have to do whatever you got to do to make sure your voice shines through. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because based on the fact that people really felt like they were listening to me while reading the book, now they can literally do that. And I think it's going to be a great experience. I think that's awesome. I, I actually listen to a lot of audio books and I find that when I'm in the car, instead of listening to a podcast, if I can learn something mm-hmm. while I'm driving, that's yeah. probably not the best way to do things. You know, things that you got to concentrate on where you're going as well. But I find that yeah. it's actually quite an enjoyable experience listening to an audio book while in the car. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing the audio book when it comes out. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, so I'd like to talk a little bit more about video. We all know that live streaming video is all the rage, and we have so many different platforms for live streaming video, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, Livestream.com. Obviously, video is one way to get your message out into the world. Why is it so important right now, and which brands or people are using live streaming properly? Oh, um, it, here's the, what it all comes down to is that there's never really just an arbitrary feature um, that's hitting all of the networks at one time in a big way for no reason. It always has to do with the user base. It always has to do with the end customer. And so I think what we're seeing is there's a lot of streaming happening and that the platforms such as the ones you listed, are really pushing for that kind of content. But it wouldn't be because of any other reason than that's what people want to see when they're getting on their favorite social network. It's not the only thing they want to see, but it's definitely something that they are enjoying. And not only enjoying it, but allowing these platforms to um, (laughs) make a lot more money. Because when you are attracting an audience, to a live stream and you're kind of keeping their attention for a longer period of time than they would be maybe bouncing around sort of depends on the health of the, of their newsfeed, then um, that's a great thing. So I think we're seeing it because it matters to users and it's, you know, giving longevity to their use of each website and app and that pays off in a big way. So I think that's why it's so, so important right now. And, an absolutely fantastic option for um, creating video today. And I think that we're actually seeing a lot of different types of brands leveraging this. And I think um, it comes down to a couple of things. And, And you have to remember that it is live video for a reason. And it's live because you can offer somebody something that is different if it were pre-recorded. It's, it's, an, it's a different kind of experience. It can tend to be this opportunity to do something exclusive. And so um, I think we're seeing a lot of different brands do this well, uh, but those that are sort of showcasing these events that are going on that maybe people can't be at and want to live vicariously into that moment, and also just really well communicating with a community where um, it, it feels a little bit more special. But I think something that's really standing out to me right now is just how savvy that the uh, news networks are getting with this, or even the news networks that weren't really traditional in the first place, but sort of popping up because of this technology, leveraging the fact that it exists to get that exposure and have that real-time connection with a new audience. And so I think there's definitely a lot of great examples, but the ones that are doing it right respect the content 
and respect the medium in terms of presenting what people want, not what you think that they want, such as your product or service, but really respecting the the audience is there to get information or be entertained or get value from you, and then um, leveraging that opportunity to give them that experience of being in a moment with them. Awesome. So with some of the social platforms have actually started to develop some really good relationships with the sports networks. For example, Twitter video seems to be geared more towards live sports mm. with the deals with the NFL and Major League Baseball. Uh, do you think that this is where live streaming is best for best suited for? Uh, for live sport? Um, it's certainly looking that way. I think that has a lot to do with sort of the monetization strategy that's happening with Twitter as they're continuing to navigate that for themselves. Um, it's certainly, a, it's always been a very real-time news television sort of platform that people go to. And so there's been this really great tie-in with sports and how real-time you know, people talk about that while things are happening, whether it's a game or just an occurrence within um, something in that area. So it, it certainly seems like the best platform for sports at this point in time. But that being said, that doesn't mean Facebook is anything to, to shrug at. Um, Facebook is still where people are hanging out with their friends and their family. And so I think that can be a really strong opportunity as well. Awesome. Is there a particular style of vlogging that gets consumed more readily than others? For example, the way that Gary Vaynerchuk has D-Rock following him around or Casey Neistat's way where you do it yourself. Is that something that you can relate to? I know that you've had uh, some really good connections with some of those people listed. Um, what do you think's getting consumed more? Well, I think, honestly, that video blogging is something that can be really any format, and it doesn't always mean having somebody follow you around. It doesn't even always mean that you're running around with a camera in your hand. Um, so the beginning the beginning of vlogging really was uh, lonely people in their bedrooms turning on a camera and figuring out how to upload it to the Internet. I mean, if we're really going back to the beginning of people on YouTube, but that being said, I think people seek out what they want. Sometimes that's just plain information and answering a question. Other times it's entertainment. A lot of times it's both. And so that's why vlogging has taken the, the world sort of by storm is because you can actually be extremely entertained and feel like you are living vicariously through someone else and making a friend while also getting great information from them. Um, I think there's a, there's a huge huge following in so many different niches in video, but beauty is a really great one that stands out. A lot of, a lot of women and men, but a lot of women get on and they just kind of talk about their lives and the products that they're using and why and the silly things that happen in their life and the, and the girls, girly issues that they have. And it may seem, you know, very innocent and, um, just no big deal, but they're allowing people into their lives, which is a big, big piece of it. But they're also offering um, insight into something that someone else may not know unless their dear friend would have told them about it. So that level of trust and information, and of course, shopability doesn't, doesn't hurt at all. All of those things are components of a really, really great blog. 
Gary's a great example of more on the motivational side. And um, he has an incredible crew of really smart people that allow him to show off a lot more because he's not balancing all the jobs of that content medium himself. Casey is a, a force to be reckoned with. So um, he's just absolutely incredible at what he does and telling a story. Um, so there's a lot there to learn from him because you might pick up a tip in terms of gear or how to do something, but you're also getting to see how you can take a totally regular mundane day and turn it into something people love to watch. And that's what got me started on this whole thing. That's what got me excited about video blogging and YouTube is that you can hack your way into an, filming and editing a certain way of making something totally average and normal look very fun and enviable and even just exciting to watch. So that's, I think that's what people are looking for. They're just looking for the next exciting thing to kind of experience through video. Exactly. You know, it just takes practice though, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know how many videos you've mm. done, but I'm pretty sure it's up close to the 800s at least. Uh, but oh yeah, it's a lot. Better. I mean, on the one on the one channel, it, it's it's almost 800, and you know I've got a lot of videos in my career, many more than that. So it's it, it does come with practice. Practice is a really important thing that I talk about because everyone thinks that all these people became born for what they do or how they communicate. And it's simply that they thought their message was important enough to do it, and they found the medium to do it in. And so they they made that delivery happen so that their message could get out there. That's what people do differently. It's not that they were born for any sort of sort of way of, of being or coming off. And um, that's, that's big. That's a big thing that people don't quite get, and therefore they don't take the action on it. Awesome. Now, with YouTube and Facebook, they're doing really well on live, and they seem to have a bigger impact with the analytics or insights. Even after a few days since it was live, how do you maximize the views of replays? Well, that's a really good question because it, it varies where you are. I mean, if we're on, if we're on Facebook, we, we, we're obviously uh, – we want live viewers because that, um, that traction that you get during that time live will help you make that content last as long as possible. But as long as possible on Facebook is only about a day or two. And so there, there's a little bit of a different, there's a varying, there's a varying way of, of doing that there. But in my opinion, Facebook is much more conducive to uh, really engaging who is there live with you. You do have to do a good job of delivering on content and balancing those two things, engagement and delivery. But the engagement is powerful because the more that you interact, the more people are commenting and liking and sharing. And so that's a really, that's a positive thing. Um, but that's, that's hopefully what's going to help you with replays because that's going to rise it up to the top of the feed and get people really interested as to why it was such a, talked about piece of content on YouTube. I would say it's similar, but slightly different where YouTube, you definitely want the live viewers because what's happening is you you're, you're able to get so much more impact and views and watch time 
in a more immediate basis than you would just posting a normal video because obviously YouTube is trying to promote a lot more live videos because they like to see that creators are using it. So you can get a lot of a lot of power in that moment of while you're live, but there's much less patience for a video that's kind of all over the place and two one-on-one -on -one with the live audience because when you are creating videos on YouTube, they are archived for the long haul. You could have a video take off after a year of being posted because of a search query or something of that nature, and then that video can pay off for you for many years to come. It's such a different environment, so therefore that watch time, that audience retention time on that video is really critical. So it, it, it's important to just know the context. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing, where it is, you have to stay super focused on what the context is of that environment because you can't consider a Facebook video and a YouTube video to be the same, even if it feels the same because you're going live on both of them. So retaining attention is all about what is that audience looking, what are they doing, what are they looking for, and, and, and how, how are they going to watch this? How would a replay even occur? Awesome. Now, you had a really good thing happen to you. During the middle of your book writing process, you got invited to YouTube Next Up. And can mm -hmm. you tell us what YouTube Next Up is all about and some of the things that you got to see and use and what piece of gear that you saw while you were there that you're wanting to get next now that you've seen what it can do? Sure. Um, so YouTube Next Up is essentially, I mean, it, YouTube is from everybody else. Uh, they really do a nice job of reaching out to creators and at least trying to make their lives uh, a little bit easier to create the best content for the platform. Because YouTube believes in its, in its beginnings and the types of video that it's been built upon, but it also loves to have high-quality stuff. And if you can take a creator that's passionate about what they're doing and offer them just a little bit more motivation and, and – um, and belief in what they're doing, that they're doing it the right way, that can be really powerful for getting better content on your platform. So although obviously YouTube has a lot of users, they're not reaching out to everybody, but they did actually reach out to me earlier than next up. And I think it's basically a threshold of subscribers or views or really watch time, I think is what they're looking at in terms of, okay, this person has a lot of positive rapport happening here on their channel. What can we do to help? And so for a little while, I had somebody that would take a monthly call with me and just see if I had any questions or if there was any way that they could help. And um, that was really nice. And then the YouTube Next Up program is actually one where if you apply for it and you are between 10,000 and 100,000 YouTube subscribers, that you're eligible for potentially spending a week with them at, the, at one of their spaces. They have different studios all over the world. In the U.S., they have one in New York and one in L.A., and you spend a week out there, not just with YouTube staff who are helping you with strategy of your channel, but with uh, the staff of the space who really specialize in the gear and putting on, you know, a very professional production. The spaces are something that can be basically rented isn't the right word because they're free. Uh, they're, they are used by YouTube creators. And there's different levels of usage that you are allowed based on what your subscriber level is. So 
they make that available to you. Obviously, there's expenses such as like insurance and things just to make sure you're covering your bases, but they have some really incredible equipment and and, uh, sets that you can sign out. So they really leverage that as an opportunity to not only have a one-on-one touch base with certain creators that have a good base and could go a little bit further, but also um, maybe potential users of their space and create even better content than they could in their bedroom with their normal vlogging camera. So that is what I got selected for in August of 2016. Spent a week in New York at that uh, camp, and that was a lot of fun. You know, it's funny, I don't, as much as I love video, there's only so much gear that I nerd out over. And I think there were things, uh, ways of doing things and, and just little ideas that kind of got exciting for me. Um, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, I need this. Oh, my God, I need that. I think it's cool because they give you a stipend for being a part of the program. And it's like, okay, great, time to upgrade my camera. But that's sort of business as usual for me. It's not something that I'm, like, kind of losing my mind over. I think the piece of gear that I was most excited about, and you'll probably you'll probably appreciate this, Andrew, was the mm-hmm. uh, really, really expensive lavalier uh, uh, mic that's wireless that I was uh, able to get because I discovered it at that camp. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, that's the one thing that I really should have had all this time. Um, and uh, so I was really excited about that. It was uh, Audio-Technica. Was, was it Audio-Technica? No. What was the, the wireless the wireless microphone that, that I got from camp? The Sennheiser. That's right. Sennheiser. I don't know why I said Audio-Technica. Uh, but, no, that's the AVX Sennheiser. And that was just, like, really cool. Because I hadn't even considered that. But they opened my eyes to a lot of the opportunities I could I could take advantage of with that one. So, if anything, I think that was the thing I was pumped about. Awesome. Now, there are some really good tools that you're using on YouTube to gain a bit of extra search value with search engine optimization. Do these these tools also work for podcasts as well? Um, In the sense of podcasts on podcasts or podcasts being promoted on YouTube? Uh, A little bit of both. So what's interesting is I think SEO is extremely important on podcasts, but it just sort of happens in a little bit of a different way. You're not really, uh, you're, you're really embedding the most important information into your actual audio file versus where you're going to upload. That's like super in the weeds. Um, I think, I think it's vital for anyone to leverage the number one and number two search engines on the planet. Um, And when you're able to take an audio experience and express it in a compelling way, not in a copy paste way, but in a compelling way on another medium such as YouTube to get people to come check out your podcast, that's really powerful. As a matter of fact, you know, I've been, I've been dear friends with a lot of podcasters who all, you know, say to me, you know, you should have a podcast, and I, and that's how I ended up getting one. But prior to that point, I never considered why I would, because I thought it was just spreading myself thin. But it was a, the concept of take advantage of the discoverability of podcasting and get those people to come over and watch your YouTube videos. And so in the same way that people were 
uh, advising me to do that. And that certainly has worked. I've, I'm blown away by the number of people who have said they've discovered me through my podcast. That just is like nutso to me because I feel I'm a video first sort of brand. But I think you can go the other way and say, I am, I'm going to use video to sample and share some of my best work on the podcast so that people who are searching or being referred great content on that platform because they like to watch things might think about an audio experience as well. And then they may discover your podcast and they never would have known about it if not for something happening over there. So I think SEO is incredibly important across the board. And a lot of podcasters, it, it's very luxurious. You get to hide and, and all you have is your microphone. And I know it's a really can be overwhelming for a lot of people, even just that microphone. But the concept of adding a video camera can be really overwhelming. But if you did that, it'd be a little bit different. And it could pay off in a big way for you to be able to lock eyes with potential listeners to your podcast. So I think, I think video is an incredible opportunity for podcasters. Fantastic. Thank you, Amy. It's been awesome having you on here for a second time. You can find Amy oh, Thank on you for having YouTube. me back. No worries. It's been awesome. It's been a great conversation. You can find Amy on YouTube by going to amy.video. And you can find her book called Vlog Like a Boss, How to Kill It Online with Video Blogging Online on Amazon, at bookstores, vloglikeaboss.com. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Stay tuned. Bye for now.